Welcome to Declaration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. Our prayer is that you are deeply encouraged through Pastor John's message and that God would move in your life in a powerful way. God is doing big and amazing things right now in and through our church, and we would so love for you to be a part of it. Before we join the service in progress, I want to share a few quick things with you. We would love for you to interact with us at facebook.com slash declarehim. And if you would like more information about all things Declaration Church, please visit us at declaration.org. Now, as we join the service, I would like to say, welcome home. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Well, you've got your Bible. Um, I'd love for you to go to John chapter 10 with me for a second. But let's start out like this. You know, it was uh, an Easter Sunday just like this one. There was a Christmas pageant at a um, church, and a little five-year-old boy had a, a very important role in this passage. He had a line that he had to deliver from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 6, which says, He is not here. He is risen. And when it got to that moment in that, in, that, in that play, and he was supposed to deliver this line, he froze up and he forgot exactly what he was supposed to say. So he kind of glanced off and looked at the director, and the director started mouthing the words to him. And man, he got it. And so he got really bold. He stepped up to the front of the stage and grabbed that microphone and said, he is not here. He's in prison. Just like that. <laughs> and you know, that's ironically what we kind of celebrate today. He's not in prison. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. He's not in that tomb any longer. He's not in prison. He's very much alive, and he's very much um, the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Amen. Jesus has risen, and his resurrection has redeemed and redefined everything. So, you know, we're going to look in the book of John for just a second, but I want us to think about the book of Genesis from the very, very beginning. From the very, very beginning, Genesis 1, 2, and even part of 3, we see that God's desire for you and for me is to live um, in freedom. He, he desired for us to be truly, fully alive. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I like the way the, Pas the Passion Translation says it. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy but I have come, Jesus says, to give you everything in abundance, more than you even expect, life to its fullest until you overflow. See, we have an enemy. His whole desire is to taunt us and to tempt us. He's a deceiver. He's a manipulator. He's a liar. He's an accuser. And he hates us. But we have a God who rescues us and redeems us. He redefines us. He's our creator, our sustainer, our provider, our protector. He's our father. He is faithful, and he gives us every good and perfect gift because he loves us. See, in Genesis 1 through 3, we see in creation that God's desire of this relationship with mankind in the garden, in Eden. He puts man in Eden, which is a picture of perfection. It's a picture of just fullness. It's beautiful. It's perfect. But in that garden, there's a tree in the center, and the tree has this fruit that it bears, and the fruit is of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God says, Adam, Eve, eat from anything in this garden. Anything is yours, but do not eat from that one tree. Do not take a bite from that fruit. 
Because if you do, you will surely die. Your eyes will be opened and you'll know the difference between good and evil. And so what happens in Genesis 3, 7, we see in verse 7, it says, At that moment that they chose to go their own way, at that moment that they chose their rebellion, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. See, because man chose himself, mankind chose his own will over God's will, at this moment, everything became broken. Everything. But the good news is, is that God had a plan. And that plan was of redefinition. That plan was redemption. And that plan was Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save that which was lost, that which needed rescue, that which needed redemption, that which needed redefinition to be redefined. He came into a world that was defined, according to Genesis 3-7, by brokenness. But can I tell you something? Listen, though he came into the world defined as brokenness, he came to not leave us in our brokenness. He came to redefine reality, to redefine religion even. He came to redefine relationship. The first thing I want us to focus on this morning is that Jesus came to change our reality. He came to change our reality. And here's, here's the bad news. Here's our reality. Apart from God, apart from surrendering our life to Jesus Christ, we are absolutely helpless. We are hopeless. We are in need of rescue. We are lost. Um, we desperately need forgiveness and we need freedom. See, apart from Jesus, we don't have freedom. We don't understand true forgiveness. We will never understand the fullness and the purity of unconditional love. But God made a way to meet this need. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there if we will together. Ephesians chapter 2. I love this passage. This passage has visited me over and over and over in life as I have actually visited it and allowed the word to kind of dissect me. But this passage, I think, shows us the best of both worlds here. We see before God and we see what happens when God redefines us. So let's look at Ephesians 2 verse 1. It says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience, and because of your many sins. Basically, once you were dead, you were lost. As I said, you were hopeless. You were helpless. You were purposeless. You were confused and you were broken. You were dead because you were born into rebellion. You were born into selfishness, into wickedness, into greed, into lust, into brokenness. You didn't have a choice in this matter, according to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Your great, 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 great grandparents decided to, you know, mess that up for all of us. You could probably add a few more greats in there. <laughs> but you were born into this brokenness. And can I tell you something now? We, we kind of hang on to this. We, we, we choose to, to use this label as a loophole of our life to give ourselves excuses for our inadequacies or, or for our hurt or for our wounds or for our scars. And, and we say, well, I was just born this way. Lady Gaga, somebody, she was born that way. And I hear you, and I will give it to you according to Genesis 3, 7. I don't care what blank, I don't care what you fill in that blank to define your hurt, to define your wound, to define your loss, to define your brokenness. I'll give it to you. You were born that way. Whatever culture wants to place upon you, whatever they want to label you, whatever you want to label yourself, whatever you want to live into, I will give it to you according to Genesis 3, 7. You were born that way. But see, Jesus came to not leave us that way. He came to redefine everything. 
He came to change everything. Verse 2 says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, just like everybody else. See, we were all bit by this disease called brokenness and sin. None of us were immune from it. The only perfect sinless one was Jesus himself. But every one of us, it says, just like the rest of the world, just like everyone else, you were born this way, obeying the devil. And you used to, this is the way you chose to live. You obey the enemy, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, the one that hates you, that wants to steal from you, that wants to slaughter you, that wants to destroy your life. This is the one that you followed in your brokenness. Those who refuse to believe in God, those who refused to receive from God and surrender to God. This is verse 3. All of us used to live this way. We didn't have a choice in the matter. We were following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So basically what he's saying is because of the fall of mankind in Genesis 3-7, choosing their own way, choosing their own will over God, choosing their rebellion instead of the righteousness of God, you didn't have a choice. You were born this way. But the good news is, is you don't have to stay that way because of Jesus. If you look at verse 4, I love these two words, how verse 4 begins. It says, but God. In fact, look at a neighbor and say, but God. See, God changes everything. He changes everything. So the first three verses of Ephesians 2, it sets us up to understand that apart from Jesus, we are helpless and we are hopeless. We are lifeless. We exist, but that's just about it. And it's very temporary. But then you get to verse 4 and it says, But God, realizing that something good's about to come. But God, who is so rich in mercy, it says, and he loved us so very much. For even though we were dead because of our sin, even though we were dead because of our rebellion, even though we were dead because of our wickedness, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That is the day that we celebrate today. Amen, somebody? He gave us life. But listen, it's only by the grace of God that you've been saved. Just kind of put a tag right there. We're going to come back to that. See, this is why we celebrate. We have so much to celebrate today because God raised Jesus from the dead and just put a stamp of victory over everything. This was the declaration of absolute truth and absolute victory. Verse 6, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus when we surrender to Christ Jesus. Listen, can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt isolated? Have you ever felt unseen? Have you ever felt completely lonely? Like you didn't even matter. Wondering what your purpose in life was. I can tell you, even as a student reading this passage, God used it so powerfully to speak to my heart because I needed to know that God saw so, he saw so much value in me that the moment that I surrendered to him, he just picked me up like a very expensive, priceless piece of art and put me on a pedestal. He had a place of priority for me. And that's what he's saying to each and every one of us today through this verse. Even though we were dead, he gave us life and he raised us up and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because of our surrender to Jesus Christ. You have a place of priority, somebody. You have a place of priority. This is this. Because of this, so God, because of this, God can now point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and of his kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us of those who are united with Christ Jesus. See, when we surrender our lives to Christ through our unity with Christ, 
our present and our future reality becomes completely redefined because of Christ. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. See, salvation is a free gift from God through Jesus Christ who paid the ultimate penalty on the cross that you and I truly deserved. And it's a gift that God wants to offer to each and every one of us. For God so loved the world, every person in creation that he breathed breath into, God absolutely passionately loved you. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs about you. All right, he loves you. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. You can't take credit for it. It was, it was God's gift. It was a gift that he gave to us. Salvation is a free gift offered to you from God. So can I ask you this morning, if what gets us to receive this gift is simply believing that Jesus Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead, have you ever truly believed in Jesus? Have, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you really surrendered the fullness of your life to the fullness of Jesus? He came to redefine our reality. Now, not only did Jesus come to redefine reality, but I believe Jesus also came. The second thing I want us to see is he, he came to redefine religion as we know it. I mean, he, he literally spun it on its own head. Keep looking at Ephesians 2 verse 9. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can even boast about it. Let me, let me tell you this. Listen, good moral behavior is not a prerequisite for your reward of salvation. You cannot be good enough to earn this. If you could, there was no need for Jesus to die this horrific death that he died. There was no need for Jesus to split time in half, literally. There was no need for Jesus to come onto the scene and be this supernatural present, this reality of the, the fullness of who God is. If you could fix it yourself. Good moral behavior is not a prerequisite to a reward for your salvation. Good moral behavior should be the response of your salvation. It should be you living this thank you gratitude life to God because of who he is and what he's done in you and what he's now doing in, in and through you. The fruit of your reality being redefined by Jesus should be a changed life. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn it. There's not a good enough work that we can do. We can't purchase it. We can't be wealthy or rich enough to buy salvation. We cannot merit our own forgiveness. We can't self-will ourselves to be forgiven completely of all sin and rebellion. We can't do it. We don't deserve it. It's only really because of and through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. The only thing that we can truly do in this matter is choose to believe in him and receive his good news, this gift, this gospel message, and surrender our lives fully to him. It's only by grace alone, through faith alone. Grace alone, through faith alone. I like to do this. It's a, it's a visual picture of understanding. It's a good definition. Grace, G-R-A-C-A-E over here in faith, F-A-I-T-H over here. Okay, you see it? So it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, that's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense through believing and declaring, forsaking all, I trust him, faith. So it's the riches of God poured out at the expense of Jesus Christ over your life 
The moment that you believe and surrender by saying, forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking everything, forsaking my intellect and my need to understand, I'm going to just yield the human finite ability for me to reason or logic this out and put it over here and I'm going to allow my heart to embrace and believe the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. See, it's accepting his mercy, not receiving that which we truly deserve. It's accepting his grace, which is receiving that which we do not deserve, that he lavishes upon us because Jesus came to redefine reality for you and for me. He came to not leave us in our brokenness. He also came to redefine religion, as I said. See, religion is our attempt to reach God. It's our attempt to earn our salvation through our works. It's our attempt to, to feel better about ourselves potentially through the right pedigree or the right family or through money or through talents or through our activity. Religion is man-made. It's duty. It's habit. It's fear-driven. It's shame-driven. It requires work on our behalf. But Christianity, trusting in Christ Jesus... Is surrendering to him. It's understanding that we cannot earn this. We cannot work hard enough. We're not rich enough. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. And the beauty of it is, is he says, you don't have to because you never could. I'll do it. I'll fix it. Where every other religion says work harder, do harder, try harder. Jesus, Christianity says, it's finished. I did it on your behalf. And all you have to do is receive this free gift. Through your surrender, which I know is a lot easier said than done. But to say, I'm going to surrender the fullness of my life so that I can receive the fullness that Jesus has for me. See, the part of the problem, this is for somebody today, part of the problem is we want to go halfway. We want to go to the convenient place. It's almost as if God is the great buffet in the sky. I want the peace, love, joy, and hope. But I don't want to have to obey that. And I, don't, I kind of want to do what I want to do over here. No, 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 no. Surrender is just that. It's laying down your weapons of warfare and waving the white flag and putting your hands in the air and saying, I can't do it anymore. I surrender. I surrender. So today we celebrate Easter because Jesus came to redefine reality and religion. And he also came to redefine relationship. This is the third thing I want us to see. Through Jesus choosing the cross... He redefines relationship. He, redef he gives us the ability to completely be changed. He took the place we deserve. We were the broken ones. We were incomplete. We were, we were the ones that were not whole. He was the whole. He was the complete. He was sinless. He was perfect. We were rebellious. We were broken. He's God in the flesh. See, at Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel, God coming to live among us. But at Easter, we celebrate God dying for us and his resurrection to solidify that he is, he, is the, he is who he says that he is. He is the one that he says that he is. And his word is absolutely accurate. It's absolute and it's the final authority. See, Jesus came to redefine it all. Reality, religion, to establish relationship through his death and his resurrection. His death and his resurrection afforded us life and redemption. And because of the death on this cruel form of Roman execution called the cross, and because of his resurrection today, our lives can completely change. We can be redefined. Are you stuck right now? Do you feel completely stagnant and stuck? Are you wondering if anything will ever change in your marriage? Are you wondering if anything will ever change in your health? Are you wondering if anything will ever change in your finance? Please don't hear me say you come to God and all of a sudden you're going to be healthy, rich, and your wife's going to think you're the hottest thing ever. 
I mean, she married you, so just go with that, all right? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. I'm saying in Christ, he can do anything he desires to do. He's God. He can breathe on you and in a second, that health issue is gone. That's his will for your good and for his glory. He can step into a situation where there's always more month than money. And in, you couldn't even know, you don't even understand it. You look in your checkbook and go, I know that wasn't there. And wonder, how did this happen? I'm going to tell you right now, it's happened more than we can count, right? More than we can count. Again, please hear me say this. Your surrender to Jesus comes with submission to Jesus. It's not just surrender to Jesus so I can get the stuff that Jesus might be able to give me. He came to redefine it all. And because of his blood that was spilled to cover the sin of the world, we can be forgiven. We can be set free. We can... We can become friends of God. Ephesians 2.10, I love this verse. For we are God's masterpiece. He created in us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. See, so here's the deal. It's not a prerequisite, but it's a response. God had plans for you since well before time began. Can I tell you something? A lot of times we, we tend to think that we try to mess up the, the plan and the hand of God. We, we, man, our, our stuff, we mess up the purpose of God in our life. You're just not that powerful. Man, you need, you need to relax your pride for a second. You're just not that good. You can take a lot of exit ramps off 45, but you can still get to Dallas. All right? You will get there. God will get you where he wants you to go. It's the question of matter of how much you want to pay in order to get there. He gave you a free I-45. You can take all the toll roads in the world. One of them is going to circle you around a long time until you figure out, oh, it's 45. All right? And that's what a lot of us end up doing. And then we shake our fist in the sky wondering, why God, why God, why God? No, I put it right here. Here we go. I don't know that's for somebody. That is not in my notes. That is free. <laughs> You're his masterpiece. That he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. He had plans for you since before time began. Can I tell you something, old friend, who might feel like you have no value in this world, who might question the meaning of life, who might question if you've ever had purpose or ever will have purpose. God has plans and purpose for you that he had in his heart before he created you, before he put time into motion. God knew everything that he wanted to do in you and through you. He's got such incredible desire for you. You were created on purpose for purpose. And this is what Ephesians 2.10. And not only does he say that, but he says this. Man, this is my masterpiece when he looks at you. You're his masterpiece. Made brand new, redefined because of Jesus. See, Jesus came to take the punishment of our sin. Even in our brokenness, even in our wickedness, even in our filth, and even in our rebellion, Jesus still chose to come for our redemption so that he could redefine us. Why? Why would he do this? Because he loves us. I mean, he absolutely loves us. In fact, just kind of, kind of put your hands on your heart for a second, will you? Just everybody with me right here. And just say this out loud, all right? He loves me. Say it again. He loves me. Close your eyes and block out the world around you. You just say, he loves me. Man, he loves you. Man, he loves you. I remember when Jaden, my oldest, was a baby, we were just at a conference where this pastor said, I used to use my kids in illustrations a lot, and I finally figured it out so they wouldn't get bitter and mad at me. I just gave them five bucks every time I used them in illustrations. I did not take his advice yet. Um, 
maybe I should, but Jaden, when he was a baby, my oldest, um, Kelly decided it would be a super fun, neat thing when Jaden was still wee little, little dude that didn't really do much except, you know, eat and mess up his diapers. She decided she was going to go away for a week to Colorado to see her best friend and leave me alone with that, you know? <laughs> and, and so, so I was a little panic stricken. I'm like, I got this. We good. We're good. And, and, uh, and so all of a sudden we're, we're driving around and we're having a good old time. You know, he's back there doing whatever he's doing in his car seat, probably eating and pooping. And uh, sure enough, something did happen. And it's probably, uh, it's an unmistakable odor for every parent. And then followed by some cries and some obvious, you know, uncomfortable sounds coming from your child in the back seat, in the car seat. And, um, and you know, he's all wiggling around and squirming. And I can hear him and he's, you know, he's not happy. And, and sure enough, I pull up. If you've, if you've been in the area a while, you know, I'm at Lake Woodlands and Grogan's. You know where this is? And so I pull up at the stoplight there and I try to look back and see. And, and sure enough, what do I see? I mean, he is back there and he's just squirming. He's antsy. He's not happy. He's crying. And there is like almost like the paint ministry back here. There's yellow and orange just going up his back. He has painted literally the top of the car. Like, I'm like, how do you have this much force in your demon be gone? What is going on? I mean, I don't know what's happening, right? Just everywhere, everywhere. I am freaking out. Mom's not home. I'm mad at her now. Where are you when I need you, right? Calling her, can you get on a flight home? I don't know if we can have any. But I just started thinking about it. And, you know, here's the truth about that. Um, Jaden, he's a baby. He couldn't change himself. He couldn't clean himself up. He was probably more upset about his situation than I was, honestly. He didn't understand. He didn't understand the feeling that he had, his need for being clean. And I had to get him out of the car. Everybody thinking about me, you know, I wanted that. But then he's crying worse. And so what do I do? He just, he couldn't, he couldn't clean he could, listen, he could not clean himself up, but daddy could. You with me this morning? He couldn't change himself, but dad could. See, I, I need you to understand, even as much as you might love, for those of you, especially moms and dads in the room, even as much as you love your kids, it has no comparison to the infinite amount of love that God has for each and every one of us. And he's the only one that can change us and clean us up. Only he can. So what do we do with this? I mean, what should we do? The, the Bible tells us that we should do this big churchy word called repent, which simply just means to turn from. See, we've got to turn from our brokenness. We've got to turn from our label. We've got to turn from our, our misunderstood identity. It's not the identity that, that God says that we are. It's the identity that the world has placed upon us. It's the identity that the enemy who wants to steal and slaughter and destroy you has given you. We've got to turn from these things. We've got to turn from our self-reliance. We've got to turn from our rebellion against God. We've got to turn from our unbelief. We've got to turn from our greed and our idolatry and our misplaced affections and our misplaced allegiance. We've got to turn from our, our broken labels. We've got to turn from our unforgiveness and our divisiveness. We've got to turn from our wickedness and our addictions and our, our lust. We've got to turn from the intellect of our head and, and turn to the intimacy of the heart and we got to turn all of this over to Jesus through surrender we got to turn from these things and turn to Jesus and believe that he is who he says that he is believe that he died on this cross and rose again from the dead and we've confessed our brokenness to him and our need for him scripture tells us in 1 John 1 9 if we would confess our sins to him 
our rebellion to him, our wickedness to him, our brokenness to him. He is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of this stuff, cleanses us from all of our rebellion, cleanses us from all of our brokenness, cleanses us from all of our sinfulness. 1 John 1, 9 in the Passion Translation. I love the language. But if we freely admit our sins, if we freely admit our brokenness, when when his light uncovers them, when we confess, he is faithful to forgive us every time. Every time. And God is just... He's just to forgive us of our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Your misunderstanding is removed. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is why we ask, Holy Spirit, please be welcome in this house, because your people need freedom. And where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. If you want freedom today, it's found in Jesus. You've got to turn from yourself and surrender to Jesus. Verse 18. So all of us who have had that veil removed, now we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. See, He comes to redefine everything. In order to receive our redemption and be redefined, we've got to turn to the Lord. The Bible says we're changed into His glorious image. See, Jesus came to redefine reality and religion for us, but he also came to redefine relationship, our relationship to God, our relationship to, to others, and even our relationship with ourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. We have to see ourselves differently also. We have to see our identity differently because we are now different. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. See, we have to see other people differently. we got to see them the way that God sees them. We should be filled with compassion and care for them because God is filled with compassion and care for them. We should see through the lens of the supernatural now, not the natural. We can't view life as ordinary any longer because we have surrendered and we serve the one who is extraordinary. And guess what? He makes us extraordinary with him. He redefines relationships. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, verse 16. Not just other people, but we also see the cross differently. We see resurrection differently. We see Jesus differently. We see God differently. At one time, it says we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. This is all of us who are trying to figure this out with reason and logic and science. It's not faith. But it says how differently we know him now. We know him personally. We know him intimately. We are friends of God. Jesus redefines reality. He redefines relationships. He redefines how we see God and how we see others, but also how we see ourselves. Look at verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When we turn to the Lord, he changes everything. Not only can we be forgiven, not only can we be set free, but our life can be completely different, redefined. The Bible says we're a new person. We we are not who we were. We are no longer who we were. Let me read it from the Passion Translation. I'm going to start in verse 14 to give us a little more context. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced, we absolutely believe that he has given his life for all of us and this means that all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives but lives that are poured out for him 
the one who died for us, and now the one who lives again. So then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances, for that's how we once viewed the anointed one, Jesus. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he is becoming an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old, older, the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. How many, how many like this, you, you get the new, you like the new car scent? Mm-mm-mm. You know what I'm talking about? What about the new home? Ladies, the new handbag, the new shoes, okay? I, I got it. This is so much even, I mean, this is so massive. I hope that your heart can understand this this morning. God doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to leave you where you were. He wants to take you where he wants to take you. He wants to make you brand new. He came to redefine reality for you and for me. He flipped religion on its head and made it all about personal relationship. It's not about our activity and what we can do. It's about our identity and who we are. He redefined our relationships with him, with others, and even with ourselves. How we view him, how we view other people, and how we view ourselves in light of him. So what would drive Jesus to do this? I mean, what, what would make Jesus come and endure Life in the flesh, leave the glory of heaven for the humility of earth. Why would he take on flesh to seek and to save, to pursue and to chase us? And I would say once again, and I would say loudly, man, I hope you hear this. Love did it. In fact, Max Licato, Licato, tomato, tomato, I can't, I don't know. Licato, Max Licato. Anybody know Max? He said, nails did not hold Jesus to the cross, love did. Love drove his mission. Love was his motivation. Love was his mandate. Psalm 8, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you would care for him? Who am I that you would love me, Jesus? Who am I that you would save me? 1 John three sixteen. we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. This is what drove him to the cross. This is what drove him to sacrifice on our behalf. Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? See, Jesus came into a world defined by brokenness. Broken identities, broken ethics, broken culture, broken hopes and dreams, broken health, broken marriages, broken sexuality, broken politics, broken families, broken perspectives. And this is exactly why he came and took the cross and rose again so to not leave us in this brokenness. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus changed everything. He declared victory once and for all and he redefines everything, reality, religion, relationships, me, you. Verse six, he's not here, but he's risen, the angelic being said. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. I wonder how many of us continually run to graveyards trying to find life. I mean, how how many of us have tried to find life in dead places? I know I have over and over again. See, Jesus came, took on a cross, and rose again. Because God was invested from the beginning in you having the fullness of life. Eternal, forever, but also abundant right now. This morning, and I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know if you've surrendered to Jesus or if you've subscribed to religion. But today, I want you to know Jesus wants to redefine everything for you. Because he loves you. And he did this. He paid this price on our behalf so that he could change everything for us. So that one day when the vapor of this life is over and we breathe our last breath, we wake up on the other side with him forever in heaven. But also for even today, that he gives us value and purpose and meaning in the breath that we still have. And we can walk in forgiveness and freedom and have friendship with God. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? I want you to know that his death and resurrection, his death, first of all, could his death can redeem your past, okay? Some of those things that keep you up at night, some of those things that the enemy uses to keep you in the shackles of shame. His death on the cross can redeem your past and restore you, but his resurrection can absolutely redefine your future. And so wherever you are in life right now, I'm going to ask you, have you trusted in Jesus? Have you surrendered to Jesus? And if you haven't, and if you want to do that today, would you simply just slip a hand up so I can see you? I want to tell you. All right, thank you. Anybody else? I want to tell you that this is the most incredible commitment that you'll ever make surrendering to Jesus. He wants your heart. And he loves you. Anyone else say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus? The Bible says simply this, call upon the name of the Lord. It might sound like this either out loud or in your heart. Jesus, I believe you. I receive your gift of life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for freeing me. Thank you for wanting to be my friend. And I I, I believe this. If you just said that to the Lord Jesus in your heart or even out loud, I believe he's just redefined everything for you. He's beginning something in you that's going to change your life for the best. It's not always going to be easy, but I can tell you this. I can guarantee you this. It will not be empty. Father, thank you for how you're moving in our midst this morning. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
Hey, this is Pastor John. I want to thank you so much for being with us today for Declaration Church Online. I want to encourage you. We want to be your church family, and we'd love to connect with you. If you want to reach out to us, say hello, uh, maybe send a prayer request, or, or just share a testimony of how God is moving your life, you can do that through declaration.org slash connect. Also, man, God is doing some incredible things right now. If you'd love to join the movement and find out all of the vision that God is pouring out in this church right now, go to jointhemovement.org. You can give to Declaration to be a part of this mission through declaration.org, or you can text the word DECLARATION to 77296. Man, we hope to see you again either in person at the campus or online right here. God bless.